Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is a there is such expectancy that's building, and um, I, I've I might just talk for a few moments tonight. Is that all right? I've had some things. I've got my series that I've been in, and and um, I might just talk. For, I might get into it here in a minute, but. I, what I've been just kind of meditating on for a little while, um, well, for a few weeks, it's kind of been in and out of my, my brain and out of my spirit. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Abner. Abner and Joab. Um, the Their positions and, and the story can... Sometimes be a little convoluted, but a man named Abner uh, had a brother, and Abner's brother was chasing a man named Joab, and Joab tried chasing him, trying to kill him. Joab was having a conversation with him, like, hey, leave me alone. We don't need to do this. Um, you know, if we're going to do this, at least let's get fully geared up if we're going to do this. But the man kept chasing after him. Finally, Joab took the butt end of his spear and rammed it through this man. I, 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 I think his name off the top of my head is Ahaziel. If I'm not mistaken, could be wrong. And killed him. The Bible says that he thrust the butt end of his spear through underneath his fifth rib, which is right at about here. Now, if you're going to get stabbed, um, it would be a little less painful if it was done with the correct end of a spear. Um, so it was somewhat gruesome. Well, Joab uh, begins to chase after Abner, finding out what has happened. This is during the time of King David. And Joab finally found Abner. And knowing what Abner had done, he convinced him to come outside of the city to talk with him. The Bible says that Joab 
smote Abner under his fifth rib and he died there. And it was a very sad thing because Abner was actually just defending himself against Joab's brother who was chasing him. He didn't want to fight him. He was trying to avoid the situation. And then there's this confrontation. The Bible says it was at the city gates. And the Bible says that David uh, was somewhat, in, I don't know if he used the words distraught, but David says, Abner, you died as a fool dieth. Shouldn't have died like that. He was coerced and tricked into having a conversation with Joab, and Joab got him. But it was right outside of the city gates of Hebron. And I, 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 was, I always want to be contextually accurate with Scripture, never put something there that isn't there. But I do feel it bears mentioning um, going back a long time before that, the Bible tells us that there was uh, in the Old Testament, when when the the land was being um, when the land was being established, that they were to establish six cities of refuge, three on the east bank of the Jordan River, and three on the west bank of the Jordan River, so that if somebody was accidentally killed. They could flee to the city of refuge. They could stay there. And as long as the priest uh, lived, they could stay there. And then when the priest died, they could then leave the city and go back to their homeland free of any vengeance of the family member or the person that was accidentally killed. Okay, like say two men were working in the field. One man drops a big stone off of a cliff and it falls on the guy he's working with and and the man dies. Um, According to the law... Uh, vengeance could be brought upon the man by the family and it would not be murder. Except if the person that did the accidental killing fled to a city of refuge. Uh, and God designed it like this um, so that they could, and they were strategic. If you look at a map, if you just look it up, you'll see that it's from north to south. So that wherever you are in the land of Israel, uh, there is a a city of refuge that's not too terribly far away. Uh, And they were strategically placed there. And uh, the Lord put this and wrote this into the law, made this law, that that they were available to them, the cities of refuge. Uh, In case something unfortunate happened, uh, then they could escape the judgment of the family that that had lost that was at loss. And um, so when you read Scripture, it's, it's worth noting uh, these cities of refuge. And uh, when you understand some of the, the, the goings-on of uh, what happened in the Bible, when you read about certain cities, understanding which ones were cities of refuge, it helps kind of understand what's going on some of the time. Uh, for example, when, when Samson picked up the gates of the city and carried them, it was about 30 miles, it was carried to the city of Hebron. Hebron was a city of refuge. Um, but this is where Joab 
found Abner and took his vengeance upon Abner. The Bible says outside of the city gates. If during this time period someone fled to a city of refuge and they were being sought by somebody, that person could sit right outside of the city gates. But those that dwelled in those cities of refuge did not have to, by law, give up the criminal that was inside that city because they had made it to the city of refuge. And, and there could be a family member seeking vengeance for uh, a killing of, of one of their family members. They could set up a tent right outside the city, and they could let everybody in that city know, so-and-so killed my brother. And everybody could know about it. But according to the law... They, they, they did not have to turn them over. That was the city of refuge was there for that scenario. But if that person walked outside of the city of refuge, it was fair game. If they went there, they had to stay there. Otherwise, the ones that were seeking their life could literally set up camp outside the city gates and just wait on them. And as soon as they went outside of the walls they could take their vengeance or their revenge for the family member that had died. And the story of Abner thrusting the end of his spear through Joab's brother. And I've searched for this, and maybe somebody, maybe you can help me. I'm trying to, I've studied it out. I don't see where in the law that a man, and you can correct me, I'm doing this on the spot, if he was defending himself, that does not put him within the right of hiding in the city of refuge, does it? It was only for accidental killings, wasn't it? Abner defended himself, was in self-defense. I was reading, it's tedious, I was reading through it. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and furthermore, if, if um, someone was accused of murder, uh, they, there had to be more than one witness. So, coming back around, Abner is in the city of Hebron when he died, outside of the gates of the city of Hebron. And Hebron just happened to be a city of refuge. And Joab caught him and ran him through. The Bible says underneath the fifth rib, just like his brother. And if you, just a quick check of the anatomy, the fifth rib is right about under here. And when you get ran through there, it's going to puncture your lungs. When your lungs are punctured, you, 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 you know, Hollywood makes it look like you can get stabbed and say a whole lot or get shot and have something to say. Uh, not when you get it in the lungs. You can't really let out a whisper. And Abner dies. He was just defending himself before, but Joab caught him outside of the gates. He said, hey, come out here. Let's just, let's just yak real fast. And he stabs him underneath the fifth rib. And Abner died as a fool died. 
just outside of the city gates of the city of refuge without the ability to call out for help or as much as let out a whisper. God has provided safety and protection for his people when we are guilty of something. If we run to the right place, there is safety and protection there. Even if we're in the wrong, if we come with a repentant heart and a right spirit, and God, I I need to get this right if I run to the city. But Joab can only get you outside of the city gates. He can't come in. If you, as the church, as individuals, stay in the presence of God, place of refuge, Joab is going to be waiting outside of the city gates. But that's as close as he can come. And in, in this, at this time in history, this time in the, in the earth right now, if there's ever a time we need to stay inside the city gates, it is now. Because Joe, there's a Joab there that's waiting that he may even have just cause or he has the ability to flash the, the past sin in your face. This is what you did. I'm going to get you. And, and Abner died without being able to call out for help. It happened so fast. I tell you, the church is the, is the safest place. We can't, we can't do this on our own. You can't live for God on your own. You can't make it on your own. God gave to us a city of refuge, his church, his kingdom, and... As long as we are where we need to be, no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what has gone on or what has taken place, I can run to a city of refuge and and Joab may be wanting to get me. But God had specifically arranged for there to be six cities of refuge. Just so someone could run and be safe from vengeance or revenge from somebody else that may even had have had the right. I was talking with somebody on the phone today, and they were uh, somebody that attended here years ago. Began to express to me all the things that were going wrong, um, and um, I just began to express to them that the wages of sin is death. When sin gets involved, it opens the door and gives license to the enemy to come into our lives. And he can do whatever he wants to do. So in order to fix the problem, I've got to revoke his license by getting everything I know I need to do according to the Word of God in line with the Word of God. I've got to to line up to his Word and his will. When I do that, it automatically revokes the license of the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in my life and to torment me. And um, praise God. That's, that's sermon number one. Now that I got that out of my system. Um, 
I, I'm going to read. Brother Jerry is so kind and patient. Uh, let me find it here. Give me a second here. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. I want to read this in the Amplified Version. It gives a little bit more of an understanding. He probably won't, we don't have the Amplified Version up there. We need to see about getting more versions up there. That's, I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking, thinking out loud. Um, amplified Version. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. I want to get my share in the kingdom. There is, there is a share for each and every one of us, but it is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. That's why I feel we are pressing our way into our share of the heavenly kingdom. There's a share that is there for us individually, but uh, corporately as a body. There is a place where we are going to obtain, and we are obtaining some things in the Spirit uh, because uh, uh, we, uh, of the ardent zeal and intense exertion. Indeed, uh, this is uh, West's ex expanded translation. Indeed, from the days of John the baptizer until this moment, the kingdom of heaven is being taken by storm, and the strong and forceful ones claim it for themselves eagerly. Uh, what is being uh, communicated here, I believe, is a couple of things. I believe I talked about this, uh, I don't know, maybe several months ago. It might have been six or eight months ago. But <clears throat> what I feel like the Lord showed me about this particular scripture uh, was not just of the, 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 the zeal or the passion that we obtain the kingdom of God. But I believe there's a little bit more that's there. Um, in that, uh, Jesus presents a timeline. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now. now let, me, let me go back. Uh, uh, let, me just, let me just read this again. Verse 11. Verily, 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 I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So let me just break that down. What Jesus is saying is he that is least in the kingdom of heaven 
is greater than John the Baptist. And the Bible says that John the Baptist, there was no greater than uh, he born of a woman. That is what is added to us when we are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. However, Jesus presents a timeline here. And I believe it is, there's, uh, there's something a little bit deeper here, but it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Okay, so since John the Baptist came on the scene and began to preach and cry in the wilderness, something took place in the atmosphere. Let's go back before then. There was what we call 400 years of silence. So there's 400 years of there not really being any spiritual activity. They went through the, the, uh, uh, the rudiments and, the, and the, uh, the tradition of the law and doing everything they needed to do. But at the same time, there was no Ark of the Covenant during that time. That disappeared sometime during the, uh, during the time of the book of Jeremiah. So hold that thought for a moment. They're going through the, the uh, routine of the Day of Atonement, which is where the priest went into, went into the holiest of holies and sprinkled blood on the mercy seat, except, oh, one thing, no mercy seat there. He's literally faking it. Think about that for a minute. Curtain, no glory. So we go through this span of hundreds of years where we call it 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and beginning of the New. But it wasn't Jesus that brought us about into uh, uh, that, that, that awakened everything. It was the voice of John the Baptist that comes crying as the forerunner of Christ and begins to preach repentance. So we have all of the history in the Old Testament and then boom, 400 years of silence. And then something awakens in the spiritual atmosphere. Tell you what, I'm powerful right now. <laughs> Something awakens, and John the Baptist begins to prophesy. And what the Bible is telling us it, from that moment on, see, the Satan was not worried about what was going on in the earth while there was 400 years of silence. Demonic spirits and the spirit realm had just settled into the land. No voice of God. There's no ark. There's no glory. It's all fake. No threat. There's no threat to the kingdom of darkness during these 400 years of silence. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist, a prophetic anointing is on that man. And he begins to preach in the wilderness. Repent and make your path straight. He begins to point towards Jesus Christ. He that cometh after me is mightier than I. And from that moment, Jesus is re re referring to the time of John the Baptist. That all of a sudden there is a clash in the spirit world. Now there's war. 
there's violence that is coming against the kingdom of God. It's like it was, there's war all throughout the Old Testament. We read war from the very beginning. And then 400 years of we don't know what. And then, boom, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Something was awakened in the spirit when John the Baptist began to proclaim the word of the Lord. And wherever there is a prophetic voice and a prophetic anointing, there will be war. Satan hates a prophetic anointing, and he will fight against it. Where there is no prophetic anointing, where there is no finger pointing towards a greater move of the Holy Ghost, where there is no prophecy taking place and a looking towards a greater move of God, Satan's not worried about him. But as soon as somebody begins to stand and proclaim that God is about to do this, there's a move of the Holy Ghost coming. There is... There is something that's going to take place in the spirit that God is getting ready to do something. Let somebody start prophesying and there will be a clash in the spirit. And whatever is obtained will be done by ardent zeal and by great passion. So no matter who it is, that's as, as we have been for years, we have had dreams and visions and there has been prophecy and there has been words from God. Well, guess what has coupled all of that? Resistance in the spirit. I, I, as the Lord continues to show me this, it, it becomes uh, ever more clear. There is a difference between a crowd and a church. Satan is not scared of a crowd. He is not. He hates the church, though. And if, if there is going to be true growth in the church, it is not going to come without a fight because wherever there is a prophetic word from God, there is going to be a clash of two kingdoms. And it's not going to be one passively. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God as a passive victory. It is only going to happen when we get our share of the heavenly kingdom and it is sought by the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. So whatever you're hungry for in God, keep pursuing after it passionately with ardent zeal. Praise God. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. One other translation says, Since that time the good news of the kingdom of God is being proclaimed and everyone with the utmost earnestness and effort is pressing into it for his share in it. Nothing in the kingdom of God will be uh, obtained without a, a desire that is full of, of zeal and passion and hunger. That which we seek after 
If we will seek after it, the Bible says uh, that if we seek, we will find. If we knock, it will be open. If we ask, we will receive. Uh, the word of the Lord also says, and I'm, I can paraphrase it. I'm trying to remember it word for word, but um, oh, having a moment. Um, maybe it will come to me. I don't know. Seek after the kingdom of God. The utmost zeal and passion. And that's when we're going to receive what God has for us. I do, I do with, with every bit. I, I am bought in hook, line, and sinker that I believe and I sense that, that the dam is going to break. And Brother Phillips mentioned that to me, I don't know, six months ago. That when it breaks, it's going to be a flood of souls that... We could not imagine. It's going to be a thing that God does. And there's no accident. I, I believe we are on the verge, and I do really believe we are on the verge of upwards to a thousand soul revival. And it's going to be something that God gets the credit for and God gets the glory for it. Our, our, our challenge is going to be the learning curve of, of taking care of what God is giving us. Uh, I believe the landscape is about to change. We're about to be in a very unfamiliar place. And it's going to be just like a brand new job. You've got to figure it out. Um, but at the same time, pick your frustration. You want to be frustrated over uh, people not getting the Holy Ghost or be frustrated you've got so many people getting saved that you've got to figure out what to do with them. Um, I'll pick B. Um, and God is going to do it, but... He's going to do it in his time, on his terms, and he's going to do it the way that he wants to do it. Um, but the Lord is, is, is showing us some stuff and, and is going to help us, and, and the Lord's going to lead us into it. Um, Adam gave over dominion in the garden to the devil. And where we are now is reclaiming the dominion that was given to Adam that he lost. They were tricked. They sinned. They gave over dominion to the serpent. And Jesus said that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, he's not referring to individuals necessarily, but regarding and referring to relationship that was lost in the garden. And there, there's much more there. Yeah, he's seeking people, but he wants relationship. But God has given us his spirit to reclaim dominion and authority in the earth. And it is our job to use what he has given us and uh, to reclaim dominion and authority. It's up to us. However, this applies individually and corporately, but in your own life, what is it? And I know I've been on this for a little while, but every I believe everybody here tonight has an area of your life, um, the internal battle, that because of our sin nature, because of, of the, the tabernacle of flesh that we live in, there is dominion that we must reclaim and things in our life that may have been uh, a struggle for us uh, but God wants to give us complete dominion and authority in our life. But there is a struggle there. There is a battle that is taking place there. And even in my own life, I will not obtain what I believe God has for me without uh, uh, a passion 
and ardent zeal to obtain what God has for me. Nothing will be, nothing is, nothing is given to me. Matter of fact, I have it written in my Bible from years and years ago. I cannot be passive and be powerful. I cannot do it. The two passivity is is the the enemy of what uh, God would do in your life. As soon as you move out of passivity and move into a place of passion, God will that you'll you'll sense a new power of the Holy Ghost operating in you, and and the Lord will help you. Can we stop for just a moment and lift our hands to the Lord and love Him together right now? Lord, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But we exalt you tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. I believe that we're living in the greatest days of the church now. And the pursuit that God has us in, there's a building of momentum that is happening. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more momentum there is in the Spirit. And we have pressed our way into a new place that the blessings of God and the power of, uh, the power of God is going to be manifest in us and through us on a whole new place. Tonight, I just, I don't know really how to describe it, and I'm not talking about what I told you before, but uh, there was just a different spirit that I could feel here, and I don't know how to really put my finger on it, but um, God is, has led us into, new, into a new place. And I, I know the times right now are challenging with COVID and everything going on, but COVID did not hit without the permission of God. And just as sure as everything came in and it affected us, uh, the way that it did, even numbers-wise and all that kind of stuff. God is going to flip the table. And at the right time, there's going to be, there's going to be a, a massive influx of people that are hungry because we have knocked down things in the Spirit. And God is going to do a great work. But we're going to pursue after it passionately with ardent Zeal. I maybe if I can if I can uh, put one thing in your spirit tonight. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your passion. Don't be given over to passivity. There will never be a time where we arrive, where we can coast, and and put it in neutral. And well, I can take this one off. No, there's something that is building in the spirit, and uh, not to to just throw things in high gear for the sake of that, but. Uh, we will not possess what we do not pursue. And whatever we possess, we will pursue it because we did it with the most ardent zeal and because it was the one thing that we became so focused on that nothing else mattered other than obtaining what God has for us. And ultimately, when, you, when we break it down into mechanics, this is a little bit of a, of a process uh, of, of weeks and months that go by as we uh, obey the voice of God, but... Uh, Bible studies and small groups are going to be how we uh, uh, hold the harvest that God has for us. And uh, Bishop Wright mentioned it just a little bit on Sunday night, but let me tell you that there is a harvest that is waiting on people, God's people, to just say, I'm going to get into the harvest and I'm going to launch out, may not know what I'm doing. 
But guess what? Everybody that's involved in ministry in the kingdom of God, there will always be an element in your life where you tell yourself from time to time, I don't know if I know what I'm doing with this. Because this is a walk of faith. God is always going to leave us with just enough uncertainty to realize that if God doesn't help me, this ain't going to work. That comes with everything that we do. If we are truly, if we are truly in line and aligned with His will, He will always leave us in a place where if we don't have Him, this thing's going to flop. The moment we get to the place where we've got it figured out and we can have good church and we don't really, you know, we feel certain of ourselves and there's no sense of I'm not sure what I know what I'm doing all the time, that's probably why we've wandered off and we are self-sufficient. But God's going to make sure that we have to rely upon Him 100%. Let's stand tonight. Ministry is going to take place in homes. Harvest is going to take place in homes, at kitchen tables, in living rooms. Sister Alberta is teaching a Bible study right now, working on her second one. I'm telling you, anybody, I'm telling you, from the youngest to the elders in this church, God is equipping us. And I, she'd been teaching her for a little while. That blessed my soul. Just hearing, she was telling me about it uh, last week. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter who I am, where I am, God will lead me to somebody that will hear the word of the Lord and, and the Lord will help me to reach them, to establish them, to disciple them. Praise God, we better get ready because we're going to be floundering in an unfamiliar place if we're not ready to jump in where the rubber meets the road and help with the harvest that God is going to give us. If we really, Noah heard the word of the Lord and his faith was so great that he got a hammer and nails. He started chopping down wood. Say, okay, I'm going to get ready for what God has said. Never seen rain. We've never seen 500 people receive the Holy Ghost in one year. We've never seen 1,000 in one year. But as sure enough as we get ready, the word of God is true. And God is going to fulfill his promises. Praise God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord tonight and love him right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we are going to pursue with the most ardent zeal, with passion. Hallelujah. We're not going to give in to passivity ever, but we are going to pursue after the things of God with passion. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. Lord, I'm going to get my share in the kingdom. And I'm going to do it with the most ardent zeal and passion. Lord, I'm not going to let my share pass me by. But in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get what's coming to me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's love him. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you tonight. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.